Hello everyone, here I am again at Optique of Lincoln, an optician on Lincoln High Street. So we're talking about 2020 vision. Last week we talked about knowing, so today we're going to be thinking about growing. And there are two priorities I'd like us to look at. Firstly, leadership development. I think it's essential that we keep bringing through quality leaders in every part of our church and we want to be working hard with that. And then secondly, we want to be looking at prayer. Prayer has to undergird everything that we're involved with. You can't articulate a vision without talking about prayer because prayer changes things. So we're continuing with our vision. And finally, we're going to look at the going part. And there are two priorities here as well. The first is evangelism. Every one of us needs to be sharing the faith. Not all of us can speak it, but we need to live it. And secondly, we need to be looking at influence together and of how every sphere of society can be influenced by ordinary people like you and me as we go out into our workplace and into our world. We want to make a difference, not just this year, but in the decade ahead. Have a great, great day. Amen. So last week, actually before I do that, Father, I just thank you. I give you praise, Father. I thank you for each opportunity to stand and speak your word. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide every spoken word this morning. And I thank you for every single person here, Lord, that you soften our hearts to receive from you and run with gladness that which you're going to speak to us about today in the glorious mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So last week, my lovely sister Lucy spoke about the first two parts of our vision for 2020, which was about being a multi-ethnic church and about discipleship, which are very, very important. Um, Just to say to you, our vision is a corporate vision that God has given to Alive as a part of the body of Christ. And... um, It is about knowing, it's about growing, it's about going. Now, some of you were not here last week, so you missed an amazing video that gave a very important, amazing news. And it was about the launch of a new location in Lincoln North, which is another alive location. And it's really, really exciting because that really covers our vision about knowing, about vision about growing, and our vision about going. So this morning, I'm going to be talking to you about growing and going. Growing is really, for us as a church, about developing our people to be all that God has called them to be. Because the vision of the corporate that God has given, the corporate leadership, is not just about developing corporate leadership. It's about developing every single person within a life so that they can be a fully functioning and contributing part of um, uh, the church. So leadership... Um, Romans 12, I shall read it to you. Romans 12 verse 8 says, if it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. Now, 
What Paul was saying there is that leadership is actually first and foremost about caring for the people we lead and having an attitude of wanting to do things well. Leadership development is not a new concept. Um, it's biblical, very, very biblical. And I just want to put, draw your attention to a few examples in the Bible that you can have a look at in your own time. So there was Moses, who you all know, God sent him to, to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses was a leader who then developed another leader, Joshua. And when Moses was ready to go, Joshua took over the reins. So there was a period of development that took place for Joshua for him to be able to step in and do what God needed him to do. Another good example following on from there was Joshua and Caleb. Caleb was the one, one of the leaders who went with the Israelites to spy out the land. But I am sure he wasn't just put in there to take them. There would have been some training that was undergoing to give the confidence for him to go and lead them into the prom, into the, to, to look at the land. And when they came back, it was one of the ones who said, no, actually, we have a positive news. We have positive views about what we've seen, where we've been. And then Elijah was another one. Elijah was the prophet that God used hugely. And when he was going, he handed over the mantle to Elisha. Elisha wasn't somebody who just walked off the streets. And Elijah saw him and decided, yeah, you go and do this. He had been working alongside Elijah. He'd been in training. He'd been developing himself spiritually in terms of his character and emotionally. So that when Elijah went, he took up the mantle and ran with what he had been given. And lastly, Daniel and his friends. We read about Daniel. Daniel was a leader, but so were his other friends. And that was another different type of leadership, about matrix leadership. So they were all friends, they were all leaders, and they did together as a leadership function. They did together. And then there's Mordecai and Esther. And this is what I call relational leadership because it was her uncle or a guardian. But he mentored her. He encouraged her. He helped her develop herself and get to where God wanted her to be. And most importantly, Jesus, who is a massive example. He developed the 12 disciples. He nurtured them. He encouraged them to be all that God wanted them to be so that when he went to the Father, they were able to carry on and make disciples. And that is why one of the reasons why leadership is very, leadership development is very important for us as a church. And there was something on the slide that says, if you're put in charge, do not manipulate that is one of the um, fundamental failure in leadership. And it's a um, temptation to manipulate people when we don't know what to do with them or how to get them to behave themselves. <laughs> no, but because sometimes when people talk about leadership, they think actually it is so, it is a bed of roses. Well, it isn't a bed of roses. But what the Bible is saying there is rather than manipulate, let God give you the wisdom about what you need to do. Because a lot of the times as leaders, when we manipulate people, it's never for their benefit. 
It's always for our benefit because we want them to do something. So we manipulate them into position to do it. But sometimes they don't even know why they're doing it. And that is not God's way of leadership. But what I want to tell you about as well is that leadership is a gift. Um, Romans 12 verse 4 says, according to the grace given us. This may, if you're in leadership at whatever level, this may not always feel like that. Because when the heat is on, you sometimes might stand there and think, why am I even doing this? But there is a grace that comes with leadership that God has given us. Whatever you are leading in, you don't always have to stand here to be a leader. You're a leader in your home. You're a leader of new believers. You're a leader um, of other people within the church that you encourage, that you pray with. That is leadership. And there is a grace that comes with that, with that leading. But I also want to say that if you are in leadership and your experience of it is stress, and worry all of the time, then there are two things. Either you're leading in the wrong, wrong things or you're leading at the wrong level. And these are the sorts of things that actually leadership development within a life would help you to, to, assate, uh, to, to figure out for yourself. So leadership needs development. Being a leader takes courage self-discipline, and determination. Whilst they always say a great leader can bring success, it can sometimes come at a price. So as alive, the plan is to develop leaders so that they're emotionally, spiritually, and physically ready. Um, Lucy mentioned about the next series, which is about wholeness. It is linked to all of this. It is linked to the vision. Um, Alive as a church has a number of leadership development courses. Sometimes you don't know that because it's not always publicized, but it's on the website. And people are encouraged to have a look and see what grabs your heart, what courses you'd like to go on, and get in touch with the church office. And they would help you. They're very nice, helpful people. So make sure you have a look um, on the website. Leadership requires character. And this is where the fruits of the Spirit come in. Because a lot of the times in church, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Because those are the power things. Those are the things that everybody sees. But actually, for a leader... You need more of the fruits of the Spirit than the gift of the Spirit. And what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love. You know those people you lead when you just want to put them all in a dustbin and put the lead on? You're supposed to love. (laughs) Joy. (laughs) Peace. Kindness. Patience. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Gentleness with the people that you're leading and those that you're, if you're in a co-leadership situation that you're co-leading with. So, um, when I'm in the jobs that I've done, I've 
been interviewed for quite a number of um, leadership roles in different organizations and I've held a number of leadership roles. But one of the things that actually when I look at all of those roles and all of the interviews that I've been on, they weren't always interested in my experience. That was okay. That's fine because that, they take that as a given that if you're applying for this job, then you've got the experience. Their focus wasn't always about the experience and how many leadership roles I've had. Their experience is always about how you engage with people, your ability to accommodate people, your ability to recognize um, talent if you like, in others, your ability to um, let others grow, all of those things which are biblical. And that's why when you go for job interviews, especially when it's a senior leadership role, they will take you through all sorts of assessment centers. They will be asking you all sorts of questions. Sometimes they call it psychometric tests, whatever it is. They will take you through it. It's not actually about your experience. It's about your character. That's where they want to get to. What kind of a person are you? And this is what this is saying to us about the fruits of the Spirit. Because God said it first. He's interested in seeing that those fruits develop in our lives. And I'm not saying that, saying it is always easy. Because it isn't. But the Holy Spirit is there to help us. And that's why we're focusing on that as a church on leadership. It is not about how many dead people you raise. It is actually about how the fruit of the Spirit in your life is being a blessing to those around you. So, our second focus on growing is on prayer. And I'm sure this isn't going to come as a surprise to anybody. But I just want to pray that I declare that we are a church of people who pray. That prayerlessness is not our portion in the name of Jesus. That we are all different. We will pray in different ways, but we will pray. We will believe God for different things at different levels, but we will believe God in the name of Jesus. So prayer, as we say quite a lot of the times is our, a conversation with God. It is a conversation with God, but it is more than a conversation with God. Because what happens when we pray is, you see, you can't engage with your Heavenly Father and pray and come out every time with your heart in the same place or in the same condition. It's impossible. It is impossible. When you read in the Bible all the people who had an encounter with Jesus, something happened to them. It happened to them in here. And that is one of the things about praying. What it does for you, it allows the Holy Spirit to touch you in here. To start to make you into that new creation that God created you to be. It is also um, an act of worship. And a way for us to express to God that we need him. I don't know about you, but I need him from when I wake up to when I go to sleep. I need him. I need him to sort myself out. 
I need him for me to be able to love people the way he wants me to love them. I need him for me to be able to see where I'm going. I need him for me to be able to hear clearly. I need him for me to have a heart that is soft enough to obey even when everything in my body is saying that I would do it anyway because he said that. A life of prayer helps us to be able to communicate to others who we are and why we exist. Because when God touches your heart, when he softens your heart and you meet somebody who you know needs him, you will be so sensitive to the spirit of God that he would help you to speak to that person, speak words to them that would ignite something in their spirit. I was talking to a friend yesterday who um, goes to the Baptist church, and she was telling me about her son who's got this girlfriend, and she said for whatever reason she just liked this young woman who wasn't a Christian when she met her, and she just liked her. And she just felt drawn to her. And she was started to pray for this young lady. And she would send a little snippets of encouraging words from the Bible. And one day she got a text message from, oh, she invited her to church. And she came to their church for a, a worship service, I think. And following on from that, that young lady decided that, you know what, I want to try a church in my area where I live. And then she started going to a church in the area where she lives. And when she goes out, she will see a text, Bible text. She doesn't know what it means. So she would text my friend and ask her, what does this, what is this scripture? What does it say? My friend would look it up and tell her. And once she sent her one about John 3.16. And when my friend told her what it meant, what the scripture says, she said, this young lady said, that is God speaking to me. As a church, we want everyone across a life to be able to develop a prayer life that would see them grow in their faith. Jesus prayed all the time. He prayed all of the time. He was always speaking to his heavenly father. That was one of the things he was, when you read the Bible, that was one of the things he did more than anything else, pray. And in our praying, we need to recognize that the Father sees. Because sometimes it's very easy when we're on earth and we're doing, we sometimes feel that God doesn't see everything or hear it because we shut the door so he can't hear it. He can. <laughs> he's all-knowing, the Bible says. He's ever-present. He sees everything. So as prayerful people, we should always have that in our minds, that we have a father that sees everything and hears everything. And I think actually, in some ways, what that would do is help us to behave in a way that pleases him. Um, I had my um, sister and brother-in-law round uh, last weekend, and it was so interesting. We were having a conversation about somebody in a wider family. And I made a statement. I just said it wasn't meant in any way. I just 
It was part of the conversation, and I just said it. But as soon as I said it, something clicked in my spirit that, mm-mm. I don't know if you should have said that. So after they'd gone, I'm sharing with you because I'm sure you love me anyway. So um, after they'd gone, <laughs> after they'd gone, I rang my sister and I said to her, you know the words I used specifically, did you think it sounded okay? And then she laughed and then she said, no, it didn't. She's like that, she would tell me. She said, no, it didn't. So, and then she said to me, but well done for realizing that it didn't. But it wasn't me, that was the Holy Spirit. And I remember going back, and I had a word, spoke to my husband as well. The what did you think? And he said exactly the same. It didn't sound right. So I had to pray and say, Lord, forgive me. Because that wasn't how I meant it to come out, but that was how it came out. But that comes about when we let God touch our hearts. And we can recognize when we're actually wrong. We recognize that prayer is actually in the power of us and our. We see it as a corporate function across a life. Now, when you um, read the Lord's Prayer, did it ever strike you why Jesus always said, he started with, our Father who art in heaven. And all the way through, it wasn't about, he could have said, my Father in heaven, because he was his Father. But he said, our Father who is in heaven. And when you read that prayer, it is always about us. It was never about him. And what that demonstrates is the power of corporate prayer. It is so important, corporate prayer. It is very, very important. And that's one of the reasons, when you look in the Acts of the Apostles, you know where the um, 120 disciples were in a room together? I wish I could have been there. I wouldn't be here if I'd been there, would I? Well, no, maybe not. <laughs> there were 120 people in that room who were praying. And guess what happened? The presence of God in the, in the person of the Holy Spirit came down, touched them, and that reverberated to people outside. The Gentiles who were around there, they started speaking in tongues. That is what happens with corporate prayer because it is united and that is what the enemy, enemy does not like when Christians get together to pray. You actually terrify him. You might not realize it, but you do. So as a church, we've just finished um, um, Revive Prayer, which is another example of corporate praying together because on, on Thursday last week, each location within Alive was praying at the same time for the same topics. That is corporate prayer. And that is where the launch of Lincoln in September, Lincoln North, came out of corporate prayer and believing God for finances, believing God for people to be able to spread his message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also have the one event where we meet together with people from other churches and even that has a prayer team. 
and they're made up of people from different churches. I had the privilege of joining them last year, and it was absolutely amazing. All these brothers and sisters I've never met, but we stood together in a, in a room, united with our focus on one thing, seeing Jesus, seeing the Holy Spirit touch lives at the one event, and he did, because a woman got out of her wheelchair. That is the power of corporate prayer. You don't have to be in the same church all the time to pray together or see it as corporate prayer because it is one body. So, another aspect of our vision is going. Evangelism. Now, evangelism and influence are the ones that come under going because that is the area where we actively step outside of our church building, step outside of the security of the church, and we're out there talking to people about Jesus. Do you know sometimes I always think it's actually easier, maybe not easier, but it's not so difficult to talk to Christians about Jesus. But when you go out there and you want to talk to an unbeliever about Jesus, then you know that you need the Holy Spirit to give you the right words to speak. We have been commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations. This is the essence of evangelism. Now, when you look at the life of Jesus during his earthly ministry. Jesus actually moved in the fivefold ministry. He was a prophet. He was a pastor. He was a teacher. He was an evangelist. He definitely was. Um, I think I've missed one, haven't I? <laughs> apostle, that's it. He was an apostle because he was creating, he was visionary. He could see way beyond what was coming. He could see that. But we also read in the scriptures that Jesus went about doing good, speaking the word boldly with signs and wonders following. If you've ever seen anybody speak God's word boldly, I haven't seen anyone do it like Jesus did. He went into the temple and kicked out all the desks of the money changers. And he told them to get out of his father's house. That is boldness. That is boldness. And he spoke it boldly. When he met with the Samaritan woman by the well, through Jesus' encounter with her, I mean, that is a massive example of him evangelizing. By the time he finished with this woman, she went to the town of Samaria. She could not wait to tell them about this Jesus that she's met. And by the time she had finished with them, the whole town, I mean, imagine in Wyndham, if you went to speak to one person, and then that one person goes to the rest of Wyndham, tells them, and then they're all coming because they've heard about this Jesus and they want to see him and know him for themselves. That is the power of evangelism. That's what he does. And that is one of our focuses as a church. The disciples went on to evangelize, speak the word 
boldly with authority and signs following to bring people to Jesus. Now, I just want to stop there for a moment because sometimes when we read that in the Bible, we think, well, it happened in their days. I'm not actually perfect enough for God to use me for signs and wonders. That is not what God sees. Every time he sees us, he sees Jesus and is waiting for us to recognize that so that when he taps into that gift in us and we're out there talking to people and we're laying hands on people and praying, we will see signs and wonders because it's not in our power, it's in his power. As a church, we see evangelism as the following. Sharing words boldly without fear or intimidation. You see, the apostles already picked up on that in Acts 4, 29, where they prayed, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Um, at the Alive Academy, there's a young chap there who has um, a Facebook page. And um, I was looking at his Facebook page, and there was a video of a young chap in London who was out talking to people about Jesus. And he came across this man who was very aggressive, I mean, massively aggressive. And this man was really right up in his face and telling him how he doesn't believe anything. And he was using really nasty words. And he was just right there in his face. And this young man took a breath and said to him, but bro, that's what he said, but bro, Jesus loves you more than you can ever imagine. Then that man took a step back, and this young lad carried on telling him about Jesus, about the love of Jesus. By the time he finished, this aggressive man was crying. I saw this video. He moved towards this young lad and hugged him. And then that young lad, oh, when God gives you a gift, he gives you a gift. That young lad then said, Bro, you've got to say a prayer with me, just so you know that Jesus really loves you. And he says, yeah, I'll say it. And he led him through the prayer of repentance right there on that video with tears streaming down this man's face. That is signs and wonders because there were people standing around this young man watching him. And I'm sure they were waiting for a fight to kick off. But that young man stood his ground in boldness. He didn't shout. He didn't behave anyway. He just stood and just spoke calmly. And God touched that man's heart. When I watched that video, I said, Lord, I want some of that. That's what I said. He's a lot younger. He must be about 19. I said, Lord, I want what he's got. I want some of that. And the Holy Spirit said, you've already got it. You just need to use it. So we all have it. Serving through works and deeds of kindness. Jesus went about doing good. He was always kind to people. He was always doing amazing things, being concerned about the smallest things. I mean, he went to a wedding and he ran out of wine. He wasn't drinking the wine, but he turned water into wine for the people who were at the wedding. That's who he is. Acts 4, 33 
to 34 says, Much grace was on them all. There were no needy persons among them. That's because of their acts of kindness. They were always concerned about those who didn't have. They were always watching out for those who physically or whatever, whatever reason, were not actually able to function like everybody else. That is what a heart of evangelism does for you. It pulls you towards those who need Jesus. A second part of it is focusing on influence. And there is a Bible verse for that, which is Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. Now, I just want to touch on um, three things in there. So, in that scripture, when you read it, it talks about, oh, let's read it. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Indeed, instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you know, I've been very vain. I should really use glasses for reading distance. (laughs) I'm confessing. (laughs) I really, it's out of vanity because I've got it, but I just refuse to use it. So I'm going to start using it from now on because we need that clear vision, don't we? Especially as I'm talking about vision. (laughs) So Matthew's talking about um, us being salt. And what do you do with salt? When you want to make something better, when you're cooking, you sprinkle salt over it. And God has sprinkled us in different parts of the world. It's even in the same town that we live in, he sprinkled us in different areas. In workplaces, he sprinkled us in, in friendship groups. He sprinkled us in, on estates where we live. He knows what he's doing. He sprinkled us as salt to actually make those areas better, to bring his light into those people's lives. He talks about light. Um, A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. If you did that, you're not going to see. But we're meant to be the light of the world. And that's why we need to be out there talking to people, telling them about Jesus. But you know, a lot of the times, actually, we don't need to say much. It actually is about just loving people as they are. Just loving them. Because I don't know if I've shared this once before. My um, next door neighbor, his um, daughter um, transgendered to, from female to male. And I remember when she was kind of going through, I mean, whatever you might think about that, just hold that in check and just listen <laughs> just to what I'm about to say. So, um, And um, I remember having a conversation with him, and he was saying, oh, I don't know what I've done wrong. And he was just 
talking about because he likes, he has two boys and a girl. And you say, I don't know what I've done wrong, Barbara. And da, 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 da. So I said to him that you haven't done anything wrong. All you need to do is love this person. That's all you've got to do. Just love them. And he said to me, yeah, you're quite right. I, I do need to love. I need to love my child. That's what the word he used. I need to love my child for who they are. And that's what God is calling us to, to love people, to love the world around us. Action that honors God. Loving, showing his love to people. Inviting that next door neighbor that really annoys you because their dog always fouls your gate side or whatever it is. Inviting them in for a coffee or the one that never talks to you. Going up to them and saying, would it be possible, yeah, to have coffee, to have coffee with you? It's okay to do that. They're either going to say yes or no. We are a church of influence. We are called to influence in every sphere of society. And we have a focused mission into the world that is about alive. And that's why we have initiatives such as Make a Difference, which Trish has done amazing, amazing work with alive along these lines for the last, I don't know, four or five years. Absolutely amazing. We have supported families and communities in places like Cambodia, where Trish went, was about four years ago, and I'm sure she shared with the whole church what work we're doing in Cambodia. And more recently, we've shifted to Ethiopia. And that's why you have that fair trade coffee that we drink after church. Now, what the church is doing there is supporting poor people in Ethiopia. Those who are... Um, now, that word has gone off my head now. Marginalized. Yeah, that's the word in Ethiopia, so we can support them and bring godly influence to bear in those places. Have you ever tried to preach God's gospel to somebody who is hungry? They tell me they haven't eaten a square meal in days, and you go and say to them, Jesus loves you. If they don't punch you, you'll be very lucky. But if you see somebody that you know has not eaten for days and you cook something and you give it to them and you say, I'm giving this to you because Jesus loves you, they're more likely to listen to what you've got to say. That's what I loved about Mother Teresa. Because when I read about her, it just made me feel, babes, you've got to do better. This woman, when she was working, would take all of her income to feed the poor. And she was doing this when nobody knew her. Nobody saw it. She was doing it. And before you knew it, everybody was talking about her. But we would think that the time that people know about her is when she became global. No, she'd been doing this underground for years. For years. And that's how she was able to influence people's lives. She was able to get governments to stop and listen 
to what she had to say. She was not a politician. As a church, we have GLX, which is about influencing in the marketplace. Because God has a range of people in his body. We've got doctors, we've got lawyers, we've got accountants, we've got all sorts of people. And all of those people carry that presence of God into their workplace. That's what we call marketplace, wherever your profession is. Whether you're a builder, an engineer, whatever it is, you carry the presence of God. And what GLX is seeking to do is to help you as a professional Christian to recognize the gift of God in you and how to use that godly influence where he has placed you in your marketplace. Godly influence produces results and blesses others. And that's how you can tell the difference because I don't know if you know on YouTube, there are people who call themselves influencers. They're influencers. But what they do actually is they're selling you products or getting you interested in products that they are paid to talk about. So they're influencing you for their own good. But as the church of Jesus Christ, when we influence, we're influenced for the good of the people that we're talking to. Because it is in their good when they accept Jesus. It is in their good when they know where their end is, where they're going to spend eternity. It is for their good when they can call on the name of Jesus when you're not there and he answers them. That is godly influence. It's always going to be different from what the world talks about when he says influence. As I close, godly influence is about working to bring about positive change to people in communities. So over the last two weeks, we've talked about our priorities for 2020. Multi-ethnic church, discipleship, leadership, development, prayer, evangelism, and influence. But what I want to ask you this morning for you to seek God's face is what which area do you feel is staring in your spirit? When I talk about multi-ethnic church, now I don't think because you've got a black person standing here preaching, you have to say it's multi-ethnic. You don't have to. You need to ask God to speak to you to see which of those areas is it where he wants you. Which of those areas has he put something in you that you can contribute and work alongside alive as a church to see it brought to reality in 2020. The church requires every single one of us to be committed to seeing these priorities become a reality for us and for a dying world outside. Can I just have the um, band back up, please? So this morning I've been talking about Vision 2020 and our priorities. But you see, to do that, you need to know Jesus. And you need to be assured of where your place is. You need to know where, what eternity looks like for you. Because otherwise, if it's all based on what 
the works that we do. Because the Bible tells us the only way to the Father is through Jesus. So even if you do all of those things, you champion all of those areas, and you haven't given your life to Jesus, your works aren't going to do it. So I want to say to you this morning, if you have never given your life to Jesus, if you've never been in a position where you could trust him with your whole life, every day is the day of salvation. Don't leave this building and miss that opportunity to turn your life your cares and your burdens onto Jesus because he cares for you and he loves you more than you can ever know or imagine. Can we have the salvation prayer up? And if I could ask you all to please rise to your feet. We're going to say this prayer together this morning. Thank you, God for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and I've messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Can I just ask us all to bow our heads and close our eyes? And I just want to say to you that if this is the first time that you said this prayer, and you said it meaning it to Jesus, can you just show me just by the wave of your hand? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you love us. That's why you sent Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you would help us as individuals to find our place in you and to know where within those vision priorities you want us. We just thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.